Is this uh, the best MJ? Oh, this being Michael Jordan? Yes. MJ. Best in what sense? B- best all around. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, comparing all the fields. I feel like I like him as a basketball player, but uh, I don't know. He seems like kind of a jerk. <laughs> How so? I don't know. Um, you're calling. Wait, wait, wait. You're calling <laughs> the greatest basketball player of all time kind of a jerk. Yep, I am. I am. He he cut off his friendship with Charles Barkley. What? Yeah. Was it over Space Jam? No, it was. Uh, it was because Charles Barkley said that Michael was surrounding himself with yes men. Then after that, mm-hmm. MJ cut him off, and they were like good Maybe. friends. <laughs> they were good friends though, and it wasn't even that like that direct he's just like oh man like he's got to surround himself with people who disagree with him more and stuff mm-hmm. and then it's like that was it he disagreed with that so yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, and i took that personally <laughs> welcome to sci minus phi a movie club for science nerds and a science club for movie nerds I'm your host, Nathan. And I'm Christopher Stern. We like to talk about all things sci-fi. Every episode, we explore a science fiction movie and get into discussion about science concepts present in the film. Now, one thing to point out is that uh, the movie that we're going to be talking about today is Space Jam from 1996. And I'm sure that every one of you who's listening has seen this movie. But in case you haven't, we're going to be talking about some spoilers in this episode. So if you don't want this movie spoiled... Please go and watch that before listening. Yeah. I mean, Space Jam, 1996, 25-year-old film directed by Joe Pitka, starring Michael Jordan, Wayne Knight, Bill Murray, as well as a slew of basketball players. Yes. Times. And, yeah, so. oh, I, and Danny DeVito. <laughs> I know. I did not expect to hear him in this. I, I heard Swackhammer's voice, and I was like, that voice it's very yeah. familiar <gasps> could it be <laughs> i had that exact same reaction like what is it is he really in this um yeah he's one of the few celebrity cameos that actually were in it they wanted more but uh celebrities thought it was like i guess too weird of a movie or didn't really know what's going on with uh, it so they didn't want to join in that's interesting because that's very different from space jam a new legacy where it's just <laughs> It's just, I'm just inundated with cameos and cameos, people yeah. and, yeah. Man. Yeah, and I guess, of course, in this movie, it also stars the Looney Tunes, we could say. Yes. So Bugs, Daffy, Lola Bunny, um, who else do we want to include from there? Oh, you know, a Tasmanian Devil, a Daffy Tweety. Duck, Tweety Bird, Sylvester the Cat. I don't know the names of, like, <laughs> any of the Most other of ones. What's the guy yeah. with the big red mustache? Yosemite Sam. Yosemite Sam. Okay, I did know that. Uh, yeah. What's the What's the big guy who looks like a red version of Grimace from McDonald's? Mm-hmm. It's like a big red furry dude. What? No, or is I don't he know. only in the new space? I swear he was he in, might the only be in the new. Is he Grimace? He's talking about <laughs> Grimace, Grimace, like the Philadelphia. <laughs> or no, not Grimace. No, that, guy, about, uh... that guy's name is different. Like the, the Philly mascot yeah, guy? The... Yeah, what's his name? Oh. Uh, Isn't oh, it like the, it's something like the menace or the freak or something like that or the yeah it's like or it's related to like crazy crazy i don't know but i'm, I'm sorry any anyone from philadelphia <laughs> <laughs> any fans listening. of the flyers but oh it's gonna bug me but um yeah and wayne knight man i totally forgot that he was in this movie but i loved it yeah it's our second wayne knight movie <laughs> it right? is and when we say Wayne Knight movie it's not like (laughs) he's the star of the movie but he plays kind of like the same annoying neurotic um side character that supports Mm -hmm. the movie yeah he he was definitely typecast in the day oh yeah Uh, but uh yeah kind of getting into the movie uh yeah so what give you a quick summary yeah so Space Jam Stars Michael Jordan, who is, of course, a star basketball player at the top of his career, who retires to play baseball. Which uh, actually happened in real life. Yeah. I wasn't actually, for some reason, I wasn't sure if that was true or not. When I had to look back, it's like, oh, he actually did this. 
Yeah, <clears throat> that, that's something that because this movie uh, spends so much time like telling you at the start and during the credits that MJ is this great basketball player. It's actually kind of difficult to tell how much of it is real about him. And like, <clears throat> I'm looking at his house in the movie and I'm thinking, is that MJ's real house? <laughs> or like, is that yeah. similar to the house that he actually lives in? Like, does he actually have a dog? You know, is that what his family looks like as well? Yeah, it definitely treads that line of like what is real. Um, and so he he retires to play baseball, which he isn't very good at, but he does it to live out a childhood dream that he shared with his father. Uh, meanwhile, out in space, there is this amusement park called Moron Mountain <laughs> that is uh, hemorrhaging customers and ultimately failing. So the owner, Swackhammer, um, he demands... He kind of gets his tiny minions. He tells them that he wants the Looney Tunes uh, to work at the mountain uh, to attract more customers. Makes sense. And so the minions kind of fly to the Toon World. Uh, they get the Looney Tunes to try to force them to come with them. But Bugs, being smart and wily, kind of notes their small size and says, oh, let's play basketball. And <laughs> if you win, we'll come with you. Like You can enslave us. Uh, and all the tunes along. Uh, and if we win, then you just don't. And apparently that's like contract. They agree. That's, and... <laughs> yeah, you can't back out of that one. <laughs> nope. So uh, the Minions, their plan is to go to the NBA and steal the talent from the best, pretty much the best basketball players in the league. Uh, and yeah, so then they actually grow in size. They become super good at basketball. Um, and yeah, the Looney Tunes realize, oh, we don't have our advantage anymore. And in fact, they're at quite a disadvantage because the players, you know, they got Charles Barkley, they got Larry, or not Larry Bird, sorry, Muggsy Bogues, Patrick Ewing, Sean Bradley. They got mm -hmm. all these top players at the time. And they're, yeah. they, they took on their attributes as well, their physical appearance and also their play style. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the Looney Tunes decide to go to the only person that they know that they think can help them. And that's, of course, Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. Um and so he's a bit hesitant. He doesn't play basketball anymore. Doesn't want to do it. But eventually realizing, I guess, what is at stake, he joins Bugs, Lola, Daffy, and the rest of the Toon Squad in a one-game take-all challenge against the Monstars to save the Toons from being forced to work at Morn Mountain and eventually uh, give the NBA players back their talent as well. That becomes a stake in this uh, one-game take-all. Yep. So, so what, what did you think about this movie all up? Oh, man. It was, uh, yeah, it wasn't like that great. It was just sort of boring. And <laughs> <laughs> I did, there were times where like I genuinely thought it was really funny and uh -huh. clever, but there just isn't that much life to it, I don't think. Yeah, I, I think it was definitely carried by the hype around the actual mm -hmm. players appearing in this movie and like also being more targeted towards kids. And mm -hmm. I, I feel like, you know, them just being able to see the Looney Tunes and seeing some wacky stuff on screen. It's probably good enough at the time. Oh, yeah. It's like there's a lot of star power there. The star power of all the basketball players of Michael Jordan. And then the Looney Tunes had kind of had a resurgence of popularity, um, which Warner Brothers was smart enough to jump on and be like, hey, <laughs> kids like us again. <laughs> yeah, that is smart. Um, yes. The, the, the opening credits of this movie, I'd say, were hype. <laughs> like, I loved. <laughs> so hype. They had the Space Jam music going on. I, they also credited Bugs Bunny as like the second actor, which I thought was awesome. It was like mm -hmm. break a little bit of that fourth wall breakage uh, at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and it made me realize that like movies nowadays don't really have long opening credits as long. Maybe that's mm -hmm. maybe this is something I'm imagining, but it feels like back in the day, like a lot of these would have these long opening credits sequences with like a song or this or that. And then you'd get into it. But yeah. uh, I feel like that's kind of like an art form that has been uh, fading away over time. Yeah, I mean, like the first films that were made, the credits were always at the start, Yeah, right? So you get kind of some overture or whatever it would be and all the names kind of going by. And then you got kind of fun Pink Panther, James Bond, sort of yeah, very creative opening credits. Yeah. That, yeah, it's either a fun song and like good animated sequence. Uh, this one was kind of in some ways, pretty simple, mm -hmm. right? It's just like a highlight reel of Michael Jordan's career. <laughs> it was great, right? With he doesn't love to see it. The Space Jam song, which mm -hmm. is key. Yeah, what a great soundtrack overall, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, but nowadays you don't see that, do you? Just 
either just get right into the film. You might have like the title show up, uh, kind of nice, but yeah, they usually save a lot of the credits for the end. Yeah, hmm. actually, and like speaking of the end credits in this movie, I noticed that the first credit at the end is for the unit production manager. Like, is that was that like a normal thing, or is there any reason why that role would have so much? Like the the clout to pull the first name at the end in the credits? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's partially the way they did the credits where, um, yeah, because it kind of plays over, plays over this, what is it, the screen, the game, the end of the game or right, whatever. Right, Maybe it's just that's the normal person who appears in the scrolling credits and they didn't do the full, like, full title card, mm. um, a single name title card that is sort of, I think... Stand, not standard but yeah you see in a lot of movies but yeah you can mm. see that yeah but uh yeah this movie felt like an excuse to just put a bunch of famous people in it and like they were <laughs> kind of just like making up a story as they went yeah uh, <laughs> well i i feel like that was pretty evidenced by i would say maybe the b plot in this movie which is not really much of a b plot it's just following around the nba players who've lost their talent and so yeah. they're going from like doctor to therapist to psychiatrist to hospital just being mm -hmm. sad and like it's i don't know what the the point is except for just giving screen time to all these famous basketball players yeah it's, it's all montage for the most part with like one-liners yeah so they just say their line they film it and then they're they cut to this new thing that they're trying out <laughs> yeah it, it really is just like they followed them around for a day or something however long they had them and yeah and did that but yeah, there is a, and I think that also, I was looking into the production of this film just to figure out what may have happened, right? Uh-huh. Or like, yeah, why why did it exist? Did it, I thought it might have been like Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out and then they were like, oh, we can mix animated and uh, live action. That would be cool. Uh, but no, it was, uh, it was inspired by a couple commercials. Oh. Is it? Yeah, Jordan and uh, had done some commercials with Bugs Bunny to sell nike hair jordans oh I guess. Do, do you know the origin <laughs> of those commercials like who thought of the idea or like how they came to be no I, no i'm not too sure mm. i guess it was a nike ad um and they licensed those yeah kind of the looney tunes for it wow and those were i guess very popular commercials <laughs> um, and yeah warner brothers were like oh people like the looney tunes and they like michael jordan what if we extended this into a one and a half hour film are there any other examples of like a film being born from a commercial like I, i'm trying to imagine that happening today like matthew mcconaughey being in a lexus movie or mm -hmm. something like yeah. i can't i don't know if that's happened i mean sometimes you get stories out of very weird spots yeah right or places it comes from either like a newspaper article that was written up and then they inspires a whole movie true or recently zola i think is inspired by a twitter thread oh really yeah there's a movie that's just inspired by someone's twitter thread about a, a crazy weekend they had okay um, yeah i guess like inspiration really can come from anywhere yeah so if you can get the story i guess uh it's there but yeah this one it's um you had the commercials and then the producer ivan reitman who i think directed ghostbusters um and he's been involved in a bunch of movies he was talking to the a Nike exec on a plane, and they were like, let's make a movie. And then MJ retired for baseball, and they were like, oh, well, can't make this movie anymore. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, Michael Jordan came back. And they were like, oh, we can make the movie again. <laughs> nice. And so, um, yeah, once he came back, they were just like, they really rushed it into production. And just, yeah, they kind of were like, okay, let's do it now while it's like still hot. And yeah, um, yeah they just kind of got the movie made. Uh, it was made by... The, the director was the guy who directed the original Hair Jordan commercials. Oh, nice. Um, and so, yeah, if it feels like a commercial at all. That's crazy. Uh, I guess it had some more heart than maybe the more recent version. <laughs> but, do, uh, do, do you know what the, the budget was for this movie? The budget was, I think, $80 million. Can you imagine, like, you make a commercial and someone's like, here's $80 million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go make... Uh, a longer version of this wow and i assume that ivan is the producer that bill murray know yeah well yeah i mean like he directed ghostbusters i think he's worked on uh a number of films with bill murray uh, yeah that's and yeah cool. so 
yeah, they wanted other like celebrities to join in, uh, be cameos, I think, as voices, maybe for the mm-hmm. most part. But I think everyone was kind of like, what is this? I don't get it. Uh, and yeah, they kind of scrapped a lot of those ideas. And animation was like very rushed. I think the animation like it was pretty good. Like there are a lot of decent enough kind of work there. And for the time, trying to do like a full CG mixed yeah. with a live action character, like that was very new. And I, they did a lot of a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, like for the most part, like you can definitely tell. There's uh, especially when there's the uh, the line between the 2D and the 3D world. It's kind of rough around the edges, and like you can tell that it doesn't super fit in but for the most part like yeah it's fine Mm -hmm. um the the one thing that's not fine is cgi wayne knight being inflated because (laughs) that is the stuff of nightmares (laughs) that's the most terrifying thing i've ever seen yeah oh man i guess they did have to do a bit of uh yeah cgi characters even michael jordan gets squished up into a ball and like dribbled around yeah (laughs) yeah there was a couple of interesting yeah, they were, those parts were animated, too, on top of, like, the actual people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Could you imagine filming this? So it was one of, like, the first films to be on a virtual set, right? Because it was all green screen. Uh, and so, like, you have Michael Jordan dribbling <laughs> a ball in a giant green screen room with, for the most part, like, I think improv actors from the Groundlings. Oh, no. All the production <laughs> things I've read, it's like, oh, they're improv gra- uh, actors from the Groundlings, which is, I guess, like, a big improv troupe. But uh, yeah, he was like playing basketball with them and they're wearing like green screen kind of like full body suits. Uh, so he's just like, dribbling and playing basketball with them. Well, uh, I, I can also imagine that being tough for MJ because again, like he's not an actor. And so if your first acting mm-hmm. gig is like totally isolated from other face to face actors, I like no wonder his lines come out very awkward and uh, unconvincing, I would say. Yeah, but uh yeah, it's definitely tough, I guess, if you're not trained as an actor. Yeah. Right? You don't necessarily know what, what you need to do. and But, yeah. But again, like I mean, that's not the point of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. point of the movie is just kind of this fun kind of kids kids movie. Kids loved it. Made $250 million at the box office. Yeah, I loved it. Loved. Now I like I, I like it. Yeah. The, the nostalgia <laughs> didn't kind of keep it going and say, like, this is awesome. I like a little bit. Like, the, when the song came on, I was like, ah, that's it. And, like, when Bill Murray and showed up and, like, all mm-hmm. that stuff was nice. I always, yeah. For some reason, in my memory, I always thought there was a lot more basketball in it. But in this one, really, like, there's just the one game that they play and, mm-hmm. like, a practice session. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of the basketball is not really even not real basketball. Yeah. Like, like they're just kind of... <laughs> Oh, he goes like he shoots very kind of fast paced. Yeah. Just showing kind of the baskets and some like funny, not necessarily full plays, but yeah, someone getting like trampled or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think some of the highlights for the film, though, for me, uh, Bill Murray, mm-hmm. I think he saves the film. <laughs> right. He just has, I think, the funny concept of him dreaming of being in the NBA. And, like, asking all the players, like, do I have a chance? That was good. I like that. <laughs> yeah. He just has a charm where he can talk to anyone. And, yeah, it just makes everyone laugh. Uh, him, Wayne Knight's pretty funny. Uh-huh. And then, uh, yeah, I think having the other basketball players whose, like, talent was stolen, the amount of, like, the fact that they actually followed them through, I was like, oh, that's not, like, they actually did something with them other than just stealing their talent. <laughs> like, it was kind of part of a story yeah. that they were telling. Um, and I wondered if new legacy was going to do anything like that or if it was just going to be like all lebron all the time it was like mostly lebron but even when it's lebron um they actually they have him animated for maybe 60 70 percent of the movie and so he's not actually on screen except for like the starting and like the ending and so it kind of seems like he kind of phoned in his lines and then just (laughs) let them animate around that but uh yeah Yeah, at least jordan was there at least Jordan was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we're talking about the 96 version. Yeah. So I'll save all that for another time. Um, in terms of the 96, what kind of highlights do you have um, from the movie? What did you like? Yeah, you know, I think you, you covered the, the main things that I liked. You know, Bill Murray playing himself. Um, I think uh, there are some just random things that I wanted to mention. One, mm-hmm. you know how... MJ makes Bugs go get his shorts from his house. Yeah. 
he doesn't even use them in his in the real game. He uses them for like a single practice, and that's it. Because then they're just in the Looney Tunes outfit after Wait, that. Doesn't uh, doesn't he wear them under? Oh, his does game he? Shorts? Oh, did I miss that? Well, he's he says he wore them under his game shorts for all his other games. Oh, I so see. maybe he did it with the same with the Toon Squad. Okay, okay, that's um, uh, they get a pass then. That's probably my bad. Yeah. Um, it's explained. The uh, the other part was this movie had such a '90s feel to it. In particular, mm-hmm. there's the one blue alien on the Monstars who has this accent that sounds like such like a '90s skater <laughs> accent. I guess like I don't know how, oh, yeah. how you describe it, but he talks like totally and uh, mm-hmm. whoa. I, yeah, it's like that Southern California skate skater dude. Yeah, in the late '80s, early '90s. Which is an accent I haven't heard in a long time, but that definitely brought me right back. Um, mm. There's also, I loved how, and, and this must have been intentional, but MJ's dog's name is Charles. And so mm. I assume Charles, like Barkley, Barkley oh. dogs barking is like okay. a, a thing there. And also Charles Barkley, like in him and MJ were rivals on the court back in the mm-hmm. day. And so the fact that the dog jumped up on him, like he's defending him. I thought maybe there was a connection there. So I thought that was yeah. like a nice little nod. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was reading there was, uh, they mentioned that like it's one of the jokes in the film is that the dog's name is Charles. And I was like, I don't get that at all. Oh. Like, I'm so far <laughs> removed from the world of basketball that to me that means nothing. I'm like, how's that a joke? It's just a name. But <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, even uh, yeah, jumping and defending him. I think yeah. that does make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's pretty funny in retrospect. It, it's kind of crazy. Uh, in the 93 finals, it was the Phoenix Suns versus the Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. And it was Charles Barkley and MJ facing off. And uh, the Bulls won that year uh, in six games and uh, mm-hmm. with MJ winning. But Charles Barkley that year actually got MVP. So they had like a a, oh. a nice rivalry going mm-hmm. um, in their primes, which is pretty dope. Nice. Um, also, speaking of Charles Barkley, or sorry, not Charles Barkley, Charles the dog in this movie, <laughs> when they're going to steal the shorts and the and the sneakers, the dog knocks down a door in the house, <laughs> <laughs> like it just comes toppling down, which is crazy to me. But uh, it's all fun. No one woke up either. No one woke up. Yeah, I guess the kids maybe. I don't know if they're already mm-hmm. awake. Yeah, I forget. But uh, yeah, I guess the Toon World really met up with the real world at that point. Yeah doors falling straight down that's true it's like a little bit of bringing uh there's actually a little uh, uh I, I guess shot at the start of that scene where they're sneaking into the house and it shows the tunes digging kind of underground <laughs> to get into the house and mm-hmm. it looked like practical effect but it was like the grass like lifting up as this thing under it moved and i thought that was like really well done because uh i don't know mm-hmm. how i would have done that on a on a quick production schedule uh, and make it look yeah. so convincing, but uh, I thought that was a nice mm. shot. Yeah, I don't know, but um, hmm. another thing that was is something that this isn't even necessarily to do with the movie, but something that I, I found out after. But uh, so Muggsy Bogues, who's like the short NBA player that mm. gets his talent stolen, he's actually the shortest NBA player in NBA history, and so oh, okay. he's only five three, and uh, he actually played for the Toronto Raptors represent what? uh for one one season at the end of his career five three five three that's really short that's really short for an nba player like he must have been ducking and weaving and dodging between yeah. like everyone's legs Jeez. yeah i was looking up like basketball player heights and other stats for kind of like our science segment yeah and i think in the latest season there's no player less shorter than five foot nine yeah with I, the I... average being uh, like six foot six, can... the average height of an NBA player in the latest season. Jeez, which is just insane. Yeah, five three. That's six inches shorter it's than, than the shortest, the shortest person in the season right now. Yeah, and he was like, you know, he was a good player as well. <laughs> like, I don't know how he did it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see what else. Oh, there was um, <laughs> there was a line in this movie. I forget who said it, but it's. It goes, what kind of Mickey Mouse organization would name their team the Ducks? <laughs> I thought that was a fun little poke at Disney. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they have a good uh, good couple good couple jokes like that. I think Daffy, did Daffy say it? But <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. That makes sense. Yeah, that was, that was one of my favorite jokes. Um, 
that along obviously all the Bill Murray stuff. Uh, what I think one of the ones I laughed out loud that I didn't realize I would was Bill Murray in the huddle at the end, and he's like telling everyone, "Okay, yeah, girl bunny, you pass it to boy bunny, <laughs> then yeah, you pass it to me, I'll I'll give it to Jordan." And then it's like, "We're on defense." Oh, what? No, no, no! I don't play defense. <laughs> <laughs> I did laugh at that as well. <laughs> uh, just, just, and then the plans just steal it and get it to MJ. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, yeah, I'm going to talk about that a bit more in the science par- portion, but uh, definitely a good plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In basketball, especially. Yeah, and that seems to, yeah, that that happens a lot when you have uh, clearly a star player. Uh, mm-hmm. They usually get that last shot. Yeah. Um. And there's one last thing I wanted to mention about the movie, uh, which was at the very end, you know, the famous shot where Michael's going up for the shot and the monsters mm-hmm. are dragging him and he has to channel his tune powers and extend his arm and drop the ball in. Mm-hmm. So he jumps from like half court and he actually drops the ball above the rim, you know, like he doesn't he doesn't touch the rim. So technically, mm-hmm. as far as I know, that should have been three points, but they only gave him two. <laughs> That's uh, oh, unwatchable man. now. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. It should be a three-pointer. Mm-hmm. Is that the... So the rule would be based off of where your feet are? So, it sounds like if your feet are behind the line. Yeah, because you can like if you can make a three-pointer by jumping from behind the line, like over the line, as long as you release the ball before you, you hit the ground. Okay. Um, although now that I'm thinking about it, there is like this concept of like a cylinder above the... the the rim which counts as like you know you can't goaltend so you can't block a ball if it's within that cylinder so maybe the fact that mj dropped it from that <laughs> cylinder maybe that's like counter mm-hmm. to the three point i don't know i don't know yeah, if don't they put that much thought that. <laughs> they didn't plan for that scenario so <laughs> yeah yeah you're probably right and that was the that was the final thing uh, in my my list of notes for uh the movie portion that's fair that's fair i think yeah, I mean, the only other thing I'd want to talk about for the movie would be just the fact that it's kind of like sort of the commercial interest of Warner Brothers, who's like, yeah, let's get Michael Jordan's star power and use our Looney Tunes and like people are liking them. Let's kind of make this big advertisement essentially for it. And then with the success, they were kind of uh, going to make a bunch of sequels or they were hoping to make another sequel, but they thought they needed Michael Jordan for it. Uh, Otherwise, it's like no one's going to watch it. Yeah. And so they kind of had to, like, scrap that idea. But then they were like, oh, maybe we could do kind of, like, spinoff or other sequels. They were in talks with Jackie Chan to do some sort of, like, Spy Jam. Uh, <laughs> okay. And then there were, I think, ideas of, like, Tony Hawk and Tiger Woods for Skate Jam and, like, Golf Jam. Uh, but nothing panned out until, obviously, they got the next big superstar of basketball. Like, uh, many years later as well. That's yeah. That's interesting to me that none of those panned out because I feel like they would have killed it. Yeah, I think so. I mean... Like, even if the second one wasn't a good movie, they would have made a killing at the box office. Yeah, I mean, what they, uh, just this most recent box office, was it 30 million domestically? Something like uh, that. Kind of, which I don't know if it's the best performing. I think, uh, didn't something just do better? Like Black Widow? I don't know. I don't know. But, I don't... Yeah, I mean, it beat out Black Widow on the, on its first weekend compared to black widow's second or third weekend whatever it was but crazy yeah so i i like I to imagine that there's a an alternate dimension or alternate universe where there's just this whole set of jam movies mm-hmm. you know for every sport you know every uh popular actor or or um athlete in the 90s just has their own jam movie that'd be cool right like you could have so yeah you have golf you have uh skateboarding Mm-hmm. You'd have a hockey, you have Spies. baseball, mm-hmm. spy. Uh, yeah, you don't even need to keep it to sports. Right? W- was Jackie Chan like known as a a spy actor? I don't get the Spy Jam thing. I know he was in like the tuxedo, but that was like two thousand. I right? think it was maybe just the only reason they could. They I think they wanted to use martial arts, but I or think fighting. they didn't want to necessarily have like a like a karate kid sort of martial arts tournament uh, i see i see so they needed everyone to work together as opposed to like a one-on-one true that that would but, make sense yeah i know what other what other sport could they have done that you would have been super excited about did you mention soccer i didn't No. i think that'd be cool oh and, and i'm there there's soccer stars mm-hmm. um yeah, i mean so many right although are there any american 
soccer stars. Probably. Who do you think Beckham? the most famous? That's the one I'm thinking of, right? Beckham might be the most well-known to Americans. Yeah. Right. I'm like, but I don't know why. <laughs> I'm so out of my depth when it comes to soccer. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> the worst at knowing anything about yeah. football. <laughs> I mean, that's me with most sports. Right. <laughs> uh, me too. I didn't even get the Charles joke. Charles. No, that one. Oh, that's, that's funny on many levels. Now. Like, <laughs> you got Barkley. You got like the defender. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, if there's not much else to say about the movie, other than it's kind of fun. Okay, looking <laughs> back on it, but not yeah. great. <laughs> I think that sums it up pretty well. I, I am, I will be interested in hearing what you think about A New Legacy as well. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll probably be bored. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. if I go in with low expectations, usually that's good. It'll yeah, if it can beat my low expectations, then you might actually get a favorable review. That's true. That's true. So I, you'll keep me on my toes then. Yeah. yeah. As far as I know, you've said it's utter garbage. And so if it's better than utter garbage, <laughs> it's just then it's got something soulless. going for it. It's like there's a couple funny jokes here and there. I don't want to talk about it too much. Let's talk about the science. All right. Um, well, what? Do you want to start with the science? How about you uh, introduce a topic for... Yeah, th this one maybe is a bit of a stretch, but I was thinking about um, how there's these 2D characters living in this 3D world and how mm -hmm. kind of when you when you start thinking about the physical uh, ramifications of that, it's mm -hmm. wild, right? 2D, living in a literal two-dimensional space means that you don't have any depth, like literally zero depth. And yeah. so kind of how is that possible? Like, obviously, if you actually had 2D characters, you wouldn't really be able to interact with them and they wouldn't perceive our 3D world. They wouldn't be mm -hmm. able to um, in the same way that we do. Right. Because uh, all of our biology and all of our thinking depends on this this kind of 3D spatial structure of right. holding information and, and all of our organs and how everything works. Um, and so it, it kind of raises the question like, um, after uh, maybe a couple logical jumps, like could we be living in a four-dimensional spatial world? You know, or, mm -hmm. what is a dimension really? Like, uh, could there actually be two D beings that live that we're unaware of uh, because we can't see them, or they live somewhere else? Or, you know, mm -hmm. are there any actual um, physical limits that would prevent there being like a, a living thing that's two-dimensional? That's a that's a pretty deep read from <laughs> <for> Space Jam. <laughs> yeah, but it's... Uh, but it's definitely interesting, right? Like you have Michael Jordan going into a two D world, right? Like the three D character going to a two D world, and yeah. how does he actually interact with these characters, and how do they interact with him? Um, yeah, and then it, like extrapolating on that, right? How does yeah could we do the same into like a four D universe? Yeah, um, if we're not already in that. And think yeah, exactly like that. That's the question. Are we already in that? Because it seems like something that we could never empirically prove or or even experiment on. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like, hmm. you know, we'd be so bound by our, our 3D space that maybe we can't. But then again, like if you really think hard, you can almost almost gain an intuition for what that would be like. Like if you imagine being um, uh a, a 2d is it, imagine being in a 2d world and say you you have that plane right it's like x by mm -hmm. y uh plane and you passed a sphere through it like a 3d object to that 2d plane that sphere would just appear as a dot at first and then it would grow into a circle and then it would mm -hmm. shrink back down to a dot and then it would just disappear and so you can almost imagine um and, and like the circle and the dot being like 2d objects on that plane as well and so you could almost imagine if you go up a dimension, you know, if someone were to pass a four-dimensional object through our slice of 3D space, that might appear as a as a dot and then a sphere and then mm -hmm. shrink back down into nothing and just vanish. You know, and like that's that's crazy to think about. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's any scientific basis for that being actually possible or us actually living in in that kind of higher dimensional world. But um, 
it's it, the the thing that i find interesting is like but what if <laughs> you know yeah totally i mean i think even the act of trying to visualize it is interesting on its own right like how do you picture a four-dimensional object right because we're limited by 3d perception and so right we have our length width and height and we can see that 90 degrees each way but then you picture sort of this other 90 degree angle coming out of three of those yep um and yeah like what does that how does that shape sort of manifest there's you, you could I, I think maybe another way to almost visualize it is when you think of, um, I, I guess we, we should also clarify, like when we say we live in a 3D space, we're talking about three spatial dimensions, and then there's the fourth dimension of time. And so kind of this 4D uh, space time, right? But mm -hmm. I guess you could almost imagine the fourth dimension uh, as like, uh, you, you could almost imagine an object within these four dimensions living as like a 4D object. Like if you thought of yourself, as a single mm -hmm. four-dimensional object with time being that fourth dimension, you would be like this tube or this worm with like an infant on one side mm -hmm. and like this old man on the other side. And it yeah. would just kind of be the single object that, that moves through three-dimensional space. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a cool, weird, interesting way of thinking of it, right? Yeah. Just all connected by the same sort of... Yeah, yeah, you start off as like this small little entity and you kind of grow moving through the 3D space, similar to how you would have like a yes, tiny dot that appears, grows into a sphere that, that grows ever larger until shrinking back down. Yep. Um, yeah, as that 4D object moves through 3D space. So I think that is fairly analogous. But I just, I just, do you think there are, are there any ramifications of that? Well, um, um, maybe in the other direction, there's... There's this theory called superstring theory, uh, and it's kind of a, from my limited understanding, it's like a essentially a theory of everything that describes how all of the particles and waves, how everything works in our universe, essentially is like uh, various vibrating strings that vibrate at different frequencies and have different properties depending on how they're vibrating. Um, but one one of the ramifications of superstring theory is that uh, it requires us to have 10 dimensions, 10 spatial dimensions in our universe. Mm. And so we, we are familiar with these three spatial dimensions that we've evolved in, you know, and that, that we know in our everyday life, like this desk is 3D, I know how to live in 3D. So the, it, it kind of raises the question, like if super strength theory is correct, and it would be cool if it was because it does help answer a lot of questions if it is correct and it kind of fits nicely into a bunch of different models um then where are those seven other dimensions you know like mm -hmm. uh are they just hidden from view from us like are they are they too small or too big for us to see um right. one of the uh the ways that i've heard brian green the the physicist uh talk about where these could be is um, being very tiny and curled up almost. And so you could have these tiny little dimensions at like a subatomic scale that we just can't see because we're so big compared to them that mm -hmm. they have no impact on our day-to-day -day life, but they still exist. But um, I think that's crazy to think about that there could be more dimensions that we just don't have access to. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's one of the interesting things too of uh, like you're talking about how we might not be able to, I guess, empirically test for it either like so we can come up with equations that might fit and the math might work out and that fits like that model i guess fits our understanding of the universe but when it comes down to testing it you have to test through i guess sort of like you probably have to test through kind of like side um experiments that either confirm sort of that the math and the numbers work out the way we expect them to right yeah yeah you just gotta so, yeah. have this this theory that's a leading theory but i guess like all theories you know you can never truly prove it Either way, mm -hmm. all you can do is continuously gather more evidence and, and build a stronger and stronger case for that. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as I guess the numbers work and the model, I guess, fits it well enough, um, then it can be used until something else fit, fits better, essentially. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like a, what, it's almost like an estimation of like a line of best fit yeah uh, that we're doing over time like we hopefully just get better and better and closer and closer to like the true representation of 
of our universe, I guess, and how we describe it. Well, that's like, that's really the cool thing about just science all up, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and one thing that is, is neat about it is that you don't have to have the exact right theory as long as it works for the cases that you're interested in. And so you might have a theory that works for um, like how to predict the movement of the planets or like behavior on a quantum scale. And that might not be the be all and end all theory, but hey, if it works for your applications, then we'll use it until something better comes along. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the beauty of science, right? You just ever kind of ever improve. Yeah. Ever improving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's pretty much uh, all I had written down <laughs> okay. for the, the dimension stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, so for me, or just on my end in terms of the science of the movie, yeah, I was thinking like sticking to basketball a bit. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's just like it's just pure physics, right? You're just looking at uh, yeah, projectile motion. You're looking at kind of like speed, jumping, um, all the all the things you need to kind of like go fast score baskets right oh yeah well i would i'd say there's also uh there's a psychological aspect to mm -hmm. it as well you know like when you play at home you're usually favored to win the game by a little bit um there's something in the crowd that's, that's cheering you you know there's like biases with uh, your team or your your players and the refs perhaps or mm -hmm. you can get in the heads of the other players and so there's a bit of a meta game to it as well at that point yeah. and if you really want to get technical you could almost think of it as as a as a stack of three games in one. One being the players on the court, which is that physical game with projectile motion. But then there's mm -hmm. also a, a chess game on top of that between the coaches and the coaching staffs of both teams. You know, planning out, trying to uh, have going through all the game theory calculations of like, oh, if they do this, then I'll have to do this and sub this guy out and do that or that. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, there's this third game which is the years of planning for the, the front office and the GM and the president of each team that has to assemble the right chess pieces to be able to build the team and, and make sure that they're set up for success. So it's like it's every and everything has to line up. You know, all three of those games have to be won to win a championship. Mm -hmm. But I think Fair today enough. we're probably just talking about <laughs> the physical. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a couple. Uh, you could kind of get into that with. Um, have you ever heard of? kind of strong link sports and weak link sports i've never heard that term is that like so if there's a weak link they get exploited or something kind of it's about uh i think it was sort of found or discussed by these two economists i believe anderson and sally in a book they wrote called the numbers game which was really about soccer hmm. and they were kind of saying okay how do you how do you i guess like improve your soccer team if you're talking to a gm or, yeah, the manager, the owner of the teams. Um, do you want to improve kind of your best or strongest players, or should you be improving your weaker players? Mm. Um, and so, in soccer, in the game, there's a lot of like one goal can make a huge difference. Right. Right. So, if you let a goal in and like you make a mistake as a player, then that team scores. That could kind of change the outcome of the game. And so it, it's a very like weak link sport where um, you have to improve kind of the weakest players if you want, like you want to win more often, I see. win more games and all that. Um, whereas on the opposite side of the spectrum, like basketball is kind of a strong link sport oh. where it tends to be if you have one really good player, if you can just improve them or like get the best players, uh, then yeah, like uh, I guess it's fast enough they can just move it up across the court and right. score a basket. Mistakes are less punishing um, because, uh, like, I guess so many baskets are scored right. that you can actually just get, like, one star player and that superstar could actually, like, kind of lead the team in some ways. And I think we've seen that with, obviously, Jordan, yeah. LeBron James. Um, who else? I guess Durant. Is he? Yeah, I mean, like, any uh, of these superstars really can, can really mm -hmm. lead and, and carry a team. Um, yeah. that's yeah. And like that totally makes sense. So when you talk about like these strong and weak link teams are the pace of the game and the frequency of scoring, like the two main aspects or does the size of the team have, uh, an impact on that as well? Yeah. I think it's about, from what I could kind of understand, I think it was about interaction between players. Uh, there was a big thing about kind of mistakes being made. So I think it was almost a level of like interconnectivity yeah. in the sport. 
uh, or in a specific play. So in a soccer game, you need to pass the ball kind of like you might pass it eight times up the field. Um, and so all of those are important. It's kind of, it's almost heavily linked. And so you need uh, to improve each, each person in the link has to be strong. Right, right, right. Whereas uh, in something like basketball, I think there are kind of fewer links to score a basket. And so, uh, yeah, if you, like you only need the one to re- be really strong, um, if someone makes a mistake, we'll just get it back to the best player or something like they can if they can grab the ball and i think that fits with kind of what bill murray suggests in his like oh just get the ball to jordan <laughs> yeah. yeah that that's is there like a is there a way to measure that or like objectively rank like all the sports and from strongest to weakest link because that that this is super fascinating <laughs> i'm sure there could be um i don't know if anyone's ever done it and i wonder how other sports like uh something like baseball how that would fit in like i think some of these sports like basketball soccer hockey yeah. even maybe even volleyball right you have a kind of like continuous play but yeah baseball is slower so maybe it doesn't follow it as well um but at yes. the same time like i guess you still have those kind of links of someone gets the ball you pass it as quickly as possible to the correct player um and yeah maybe it is like about improving maybe it's like moneyball right you can do pretty well if you improve kind of the overall team yeah um, if everyone's kind of doing pretty well so maybe that is an example of kind of a weak link i i was actually going to ask you about Moneyball. so Mm uh if i remember correctly it was they looked at the stats and saw that there's a high correlation between like wins and and men on bases is that right yeah that from the movie at least it was to get uh to get runs you need to get on base and so let's just get people on base um and runs will come from that i guess Uh, so if we can just get enough people on base in a single kind of inning, then we get runs. Um, so we just need to have, I guess, like they crunch the numbers and it's like, oh, you need to have batting averages of like this value. Um, and you could kind of work it out that way. Yeah. And I guess that's an example of kind of like maybe weak link, improving the, getting rid of kind of like the worst people and getting someone just a little bit better um, or improving them to get their batting average a little bit higher. That's crazy. So if you're like... Um... If you're like a bench warmer on a weak link sport and your team wins the championship, you can probably feel a little bit better about yourself than if you're mm-hmm. a bench warmer <laughs> on a strong link sport because you probably yeah. help that team uh, proportionally a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That seems fair. Wow. And uh, you can even extrapolate it beyond just sports as well. Like um, That's what Malcolm Gladwell was kind of doing with this. I think he's the one who sort of I learned this from or heard this from and... Uh, yeah, he sort of extrapolates it to other systems, right? Like societal systems. Mm. Um, are they weak link or strong link? And maybe there are uh, times for one and times for the other. Uh, some of his examples were in Canada, right? Uh, in the 70s, we had a bunch of good universities that were all doing pretty well, but we wanted one really good kind of tech university, one good science tech university. Um, and so we wanted that, I guess, like kind of strong link, just make them really really good oh. improve the best yeah and that's kind of how the university of waterloo became kind of so so good in that respect well today i learned yeah. as a waterloo grad or <laughs> alumni <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was like i guess they just got a bunch of funding for that purpose but you compare that to if you had to improve airlines uh, or not airlines but i guess like the air traffic system and reduce delays and all this kind of stuff mm. are you going to put the money in like your best airports or are you going to bring it to your worst airports where you get right. kind of like the longest delays, most build up, uh, most backup. Um, and so that could be kind of like the weak link system where well, yeah, one delay at kind of your JFK, LaGuardia, those airports are going to be much more detrimental to the overall system yeah. than, uh, than otherwise. That's, re- that's really interesting. That reminds me of like, you know, e- even things like your, you're uh prioritizing which roads in your city to fix first you know Mm -hmm. it's like um i I feel like it's so applicable to so many different things Mm -hmm. yeah like i and i think you can always picture it in uh i maybe i don't know how malleable it is and can you picture it either like any way you want like um do you fix your busiest road does that make it like a weak link system right um or do you kind of fix all the smaller roads or something um but 
it, yeah, it was definitely an interesting way to kind of look at it. And it was interesting how, I guess, like using the sort of strong link, weak link system, the movie actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I, it'd be cool if there was a way to, and maybe there is, to like mathematically model this stuff and just kind of mm-hmm. plug and chug the numbers and, and see what comes out for these, these various scenarios. Yeah, I mean, I think if I were to read that book, like the numbers game, maybe they did it at least for soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're actually looking at uh, kind of like the percent of time they're on the field and all this uh. stuff of players. Uh, so there were some numbers that they actually had to use to kind of evaluate that. But Very cool. Um, but yeah, seeing how you can apply it elsewhere, whether it's kind of style systems management style uh, and when you need to apply it, I think yeah. is kind of pretty interesting. But Wow. So so if uh, if basketball were a weak link system type game, what Looney Tune would you have to uh, replace first? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Who was the was Tweety one of the weaker players? <laughs> I was thinking was Tweety. Tweety's <laughs> probably pretty pretty terrible at basketball. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he he ever stood a chance. Yeah, but. he's like one tenth the height of the ball. <laughs> yeah, so I guess that brings another question of like, what does it take to be in the NBA? Right, like, does Bill Murray have a chance? Um, <laughs> well, I I was Did gonna he? say height, but if Muggsy Bogues can be in at five three, you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like it takes determination and and a lot of a lot of time, you know, a lot of practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I wonder if there's a genetic component to it, but I I feel like I feel like if there is, it's probably small compared to just uh, the training and the consistency, I guess, yeah. and determination. Um, surely there's genetic factors when it comes to aging and like, you know, how how fast you deteriorate from your peak. But I think if you're young, if you're like 18 or 19, that probably doesn't yet affect you as much. Yeah. No, I think you're kind of on the right track. Like, that makes sense. You just need and the training and kind of just making sure you're consistent. You're always good. You're putting in that work. Uh, definitely comes into play because even if you're tall, I think you've kind of used this stat before of, and I think it's 18% chance you'll be in the NBA if you're over seven feet tall. In the U.S.? In the U.S., yeah. Because there's, like, estimated less than 70 people who are more than seven feet tall in the U.S. Really? And 13 of them are in the NBA, so. (laughs) Yeah, it's, like, basically, like, a free ticket. I think the challenging part is, for the most part, you probably have to be playing from, like, a young-ish age to be good Mm -hmm. enough to have, like, a baseline skill set i i would guess i know there's some players today who started pretty late in like their mid or to late teens but mm-hmm. um when you're that young you might not know that you're going to be tall yet you know and yeah. so it's kind of a gamble whether you want to spend all your time practicing your game just to find mm-hmm. out that you know you you can't uh be the player that you want to be yeah yeah i guess like so right now if like the shortest player is five foot nine mm-hmm. in the nba um yeah you got to do a lot of work because uh, I think like the average, so if you're less than average, essentially height wise, right now you're not in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, uh, and but... and surely that uh, five nine player is is an anomaly and like an outlier. <laughs> you look at yeah, the I think stats. there's only like one or two. Uh, although the deviation is like it is fairly look kind of normal from the graph I saw. Mm. Like you have it, most players are kind of six foot six. And then kind of lowers down on each side, and then you get to the extremes, with I think maybe uh, the the right side, the taller side being a bit higher. But mm. I, I think there's probably another aspect to it, which is if you're on the shorter side, like below six feet, then you're probably going to be pigeonholed into the point guard role. Mm-hmm. And so the comp- since you're only essentially able to play this one position, there's probably more competition to to get into the NBA as a point guard because you can't really branch out and be a you can't be a center. You can't. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. If I knew I was going to be like over six feet, maybe I should have played more ball as a kid. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could have. Uh, yeah. Then it's just about, I guess, like making sure yeah, you're fit enough. Right. You have the, the talent. Uh, like, I guess, like the skill, like the practice you've put in to kind of sink those baskets and i guess that's that's only like the first part of it because i'm sure that 
you have to be in the right place at the right time in terms of what school you're going to, you know, making mm -hmm. sure that there's actually visibility uh, into your skills from scouters, making sure that you probably have like a coach that advocates for you and can hook you up into the network of, mm -hmm. I don't know exactly how it works, but you know, the network of, of basketball business, <laughs> you know, <laughs> get a, you. yeah, you'd think there'd be like a, an NBA or something uh, <laughs> who, <laughs> who might be looking into basketball players. <laughs> well, like but. they, they gotta, they gotta get their tips somehow. You know, this mm -hmm. kid's up and coming. Yeah, there's like a scouting association that uh, that looks for people. Yeah, well, I feel like lately, and I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel like lately um, the NBA has been uh, getting players from outside America a lot more frequently as mm -hmm. well. I know there's a bunch of programs in other countries to, to, to build up uh, basketball uh, for the okay. youngsters. And like um, uh, Giannis... Uh, who just today, uh, at the time of this recording, won his first championship with the Milwaukee Bucks. He's born in Athens, in Greece. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, that's a... Uh, I was going to ask if that was a kind of program to, yeah, make basketball more popular and kind of spread it across the world. I can see that. Yeah, yeah it, it's kind <laughs> of a... It's kind of a double incentive. One, you're spreading the popularity, and so you're getting more money from the NBA. Mm -hmm. And two, you're just... Uh, increasing the skill ceiling of the league because just the the pool of players and talent that you're getting is going to be so much larger uh, as you know obviously you spread out um, mm -hmm. where you're getting talent from yeah definitely and yeah maybe you know find the next uh, lebron james or michael jordan yeah right? that's yeah. the hope but man lebron yeah. is crazy he's he's been in the league for so long playing at such a high level that I'm pretty sure his son uh, is like gonna be able to enter the NBA like next year or something, <laughs> and like play with them. That'd be that'd be pretty crazy. Would that be the first in in, in the NBA like having a father son? Yeah, father play against their son. Um, I'm not sure. I'm <laughs> not sure. Because yeah, I guess it's also just what are the chances of that happening? Obviously, if you come from like a basketball family, yeah, I think maybe the chances are higher. But yeah, what? would be the odds that you have a star basketball player as like a kid or i feel like if you're a superstar it's probably like you could probably train a kid like mm -hmm. i don't want to say easily but like essentially they would have a superstar coach accessible all the time you know mm -hmm. from birth yeah and and not to mention all the facilities and all the mm -hmm. money that goes into to having good nutrition and good training programs and whatnot i feel like you know, if you're LeBron, you could probably just produce NBA players. <laughs> oh, for for sure, for sure. Um, yeah. Well, I I maybe have one last thing. Maybe yeah. we could like end this science talk on uh, on Michael Jordan. Let's do it. So uh, I was just doing kind of like looking up him and some of his maybe stats or uh, kind of fun facts about him. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's this thing he sort of has this record hang time. For I think one of his his shots, like his uh, is it his jump from kind of the free throw line up toward the toward the hoop, and his longest hang time is zero point nine two seconds. Dang, which is pretty long to stay in the air, almost a full second. That is. And I think from uh, the math or like the numbers, as far as we know, the human limit is pretty much one second. That's crazy because uh, it doesn't sound like very long, right? One. No. You'd think that you'd be able to just do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I guess you have to think of, uh, essentially, that gives you, like, a vertical limit, right? Yeah, yeah, because I was literally, um, it, assuming that air resistance is around the same, you're around, mm -hmm. like, the same altitude and everything, it really only depends on how high you get. Because your acceleration yeah. from gravity is going to be more or less the same, no matter how fast you're going horizontally, and mm -hmm. no matter you know where where you're jumping exactly like essentially the only thing you have control over is how fast you're lifting off of the ground right yeah yeah so you just need to increase that i guess um, you you could make your body a little aerodynamic as you're going up <laughs> to reduce the drag uh mm -hmm. as you're making your way through the air but i don't know like but then like open yourself up as you come down to <laughs> yeah yeah maybe like spread mm -hmm. your legs open or something or maybe okay. um Maybe get a certain haircut that's shaped like a, a cone 
So it cuts through the air on the way up and mm-hmm. uh, fans out like an umbrella on the way down. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess those are some of like the other the puzzle tricks you could could employ. But maybe if you talk about like regulation, what you're allowed to do in yeah. in a basketball game. So, yeah. So like if the human limit's one second, I guess if you do the math on that, that kind of gives you this vertical limit of one point two two meters like 122 centimeters off the ground uh, in terms of jumping. Now, Um, I I got another question, though. Um, I assume that the hang time is just the time between when the feet leave the floor to when the feet land back on the floor, right? Mm -hmm. And so on the way down, if you just go into a crouch position, you know, you give yourself some time uh, because there's that the distance of your legs or the length of your legs that Mm -hmm. you essentially get for free in that sense. Um, So do you know when when MJ did this, how he landed? I do not know. Um, But I don't think it gives you enough. Like it might give you a little bit of a um, of an advantage. I don't know if it's an advantage. Uh, It might kind of lengthen that hang time a little bit. But you're probably traveling. You're traveling pretty fast toward the ground at that point anyway. Mm. Right? Yeah. But like after half a second. But proportionally, you know, to one one point two meters. Um, yeah, so the, that's the vertical limit, roughly, right? Uh, for humans, I think. So Michael Jordan went about just over a meter high, like one point uh, one meter three centimeters, or almost one meter three, one meter four centimeters high. Um, but yeah, if you're, I guess you, for half a second, you're going up. Half a second, you're coming down. Um, then you're kind of accelerating negative 9.8 meters per second toward the ground. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, like in one second, negative 9.8 meters, roughly. Oh, uh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it's going to pull you down pretty quickly. But yeah, Jordan's just kind of pushing that limit. And I don't know if anyone's really gotten that much closer. I didn't I didn't look up all the, the stats there. Yeah, I'd be interested in... Um... High jump. Well, I guess high jumpers in the Olympics, they land on a mat, so you wouldn't really be able to do the same kind of calculation. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be similar, though. Um, you probably could watch it. Although I don't I don't know if their height is calculated the same way because they right. obviously like turn their back over and flip their legs yeah. over their body. But they must be pushing that, that limit pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I guess in terms of improving... What you have to do is, I guess, like improve your speed and like overall explosive strength. So it's just a lot of leg work. Reducing, I don't know if reducing your weight helps, unless it's going to help you, I guess, increase your speed. Um, yeah, would you want to decrease your upper body mass and just have mm-hmm. like really Giant jacked legs, legs <laughs> to boost <laughs> off? I could see that. Also, mm-hmm. um, it, it kind of reminds me, I, I remember hearing about fast twitch versus low, uh, slow twitch mm-hmm. muscles. Um, and I feel like different people have kind of a different, uh, like distribution of these. And I guess that's like how, how fast your muscles can activate. So it's like, Mm -hmm. if you're sprinting, you want those fast twitch. And if you're lifting like something really heavy, it'd be more slow twitch. I don't know like what the science is behind that or like how recent or relevant that is, but it feels to me like for acceleration off the ground, you, you would want fast twitch. Uh, mm-hmm. muscles there kind of like a frog you know like springing yourself upwards uh in a very short yeah. amount of time yeah i wish i knew off the top of my head which one you'd want but um yeah i think i don't know if that's part of the problem for when michael jordan switched to baseball like he needed oh. to use different muscles um like fast or slow twitch but um yeah you'd think maybe fast twitch would be the the right thing you need for blasting off the ground man mm-hmm. meter what yeah man it makes me want to go do some box jumps yeah i mean that's how you train right you you do box jumps apparently you can within the span of like a few months you could get your jump to be uh was it even like 20 to 30 centimeters that maybe that's too much that's not bad Uh, maybe (laughs) it's like increasing it like 20 30 percent that's still Uh, not bad mm -hmm. so wow yeah you can kind of do it pretty quickly but then you're going to reach your kind of limit I guess quickly too. Jeez, uh, do you mm-hmm. know how tall MJ is off the top of your head? Nope. 
thinking because a, a, a net, it's 10 feet, right? Yep. Man. Uh, yeah, so what were they saying? They were... Because he's, yeah, six foot something. Uh, Wikipedia will tell me quickly. <laughs> he's six foot six inches. Mm. Um, yeah, so he is uh, almost two meters tall. Uh, and then he's jumping a meter high. So pretty much like half of his height he's jumping. Wow. Um, on top of that. But yeah, crazy sport. It's crazy. I guess, uh, yeah, there's a chance if you want to be in the NBA, just uh, keep practicing, work on that jump. You're not talking to me, right? (laughs) You're talking to the kids out there. (laughs) I don't know. I'm getting pretty up there in age. (laughs) If LeBron can still play. If LeBron can still play. (laughs) I appreciate it. I really do, Chris. (laughs) I'm flattered. I think I'm just saying don't let age be the limiting factor. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah. I'm going to quit my job and I'm Mm -hmm. going to play some ball. I, I think that's a good plan. Can I can I can I form the NBA as in the National Bump Association? <laughs> ooh, ooh, now we're talking. Yeah, I dude. think you can. I'll do that move where you throw it from below the rim and hit the ball <laughs> right out. Does Bump have any rules other than get your ball in first? Uh, it probably depends on the circles that you're hanging with, you know. In, in your National Bump Association. In, oh, in the National be? Bump? No, no rules, <laughs> no rules. And actually, next to every court. There's like a forest, just like it was at my elementary school. So you could bump it into the forest. And a kid would have to run in there to get the ball. Is there also a fence or is it just uh, just a forest? Yeah, it's a fence, but it's like, uh, you know, like like schoolyard fence. (laughs) It's only like three feet tall. Feels like it's taller than it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to start that now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. and I'm sure there will be no legal problems calling it uh, the NBA. No. <laughs> Not, just make it like a lowercase b. <laughs> very clear. The NBA. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And if yeah, the nostalgia cycle comes around, right, everyone will want to be a part of it. That's true. Do you want to, do you want to join? Sure. All right. First, you're, am you're I the, like first official draft pick? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're the first in the, in the first round. Of the draft, congratulations! Um, Currently, there's no salary uh, for this position, (laughs) but there's a lot of potential stardom. Oh, nice! I am. I'll bring my talents down to Seattle. (laughs) Okay, perfect. (laughs) All right. Well, does that do it for us today? You think? I I think it does. Wonderful. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Talk about Space Jam and Michael Jordan and basketball. Learning a bit about the game. Yeah. Um, I think I learned a bit. You taught me some stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> about the Charles Barkley dog? Mostly. You taught me more yeah, maybe about the history of the game. <laughs> uh, well, James Naismith, Canadian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he found, and it was like originally done with actual peach baskets or something. Yeah, I remember that from those Heritage commercials. <laughs> uh, good old CBC or something. <laughs> or something. <laughs> very, very patriotic. Yeah. Whoever ordered them, they worked, I guess. You can be proud of yourself. (laughs) I love it. Well, uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening today. Please share the show with your friends and follow us on social. We are at Fiction on Twitter and at SciMinesFi on Facebook and Instagram. We're also SciMinesFi at gmail.com where you can send us your suggestions for future episodes uh, and let us know what you thought. Yes, thank you everyone. I'm Nathan Yim. And I'm Christopher Stern. Until next time, hold on to your butts.